We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast, a little bonus weekend edition. I have some things that I wanted to break down with you guys today, so thought we'd throw in an extra episode. I just got back from Las Vegas, just got back into town a few hours ago, was out there to check out the Lakers in preseason action against the Wolves was against the Suns the day before that and kind of a little back-to-back game there and allowed me to get into the fabulous Blue Wire Studios at the Win in Las Vegas. Always love when I can record from there. We had our guy Alan Sliwa from ESPN jump in with us. Daniel Starkan, Jeff Spiegel from Lakers Nation and Dodger Blue as well joined us. It was a lot of fun, so you guys can check out some of those videos over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. But I do want to break down some things going on around the world of the Los Angeles Lakers, including... What's going on with the Lakers shooting? I want to talk about that in preseason play and whether or not this means something going forward. Because right now, that's really what we're doing. We're just looking for things that we can say are going to be issues or going to be strengths of the team moving forward into the future. Preseason, we know these games don't count for anything on the overall record. They don't determine whether or not you get into the playoffs. So we're looking for trends that might be replicable either in a positive or negative way throughout the season. So I want to talk a little bit about the shooting. I also want to talk about Draymond Green. The incident in general, of course, we saw uh, yesterday morning, Draymond had the video come out of him punching Jordan Poole That is not a good look for the Warriors, not a good look for Draymond Green. Going to be a situation for them to deal with. And of course, we got a lot of Lakers fans asking, should the Lakers trade for Draymond Green? So I want to talk about that situation and what that could potentially look like. And I also want to get into some of Darvin Ham's comments. You know, it was great to get into the building, get to go talk to some of the players, the coaching staff, things like that. And I was really struck by one thing in particular that Darvin Ham said after the loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so I want to play that for you and get into that as well. So again, a lot to break down. Before I get into all of that, though, let me give a little special shout-out here to Laker Lady, a.k.a. Tara. Appreciate you so much for hooking up Ron Gutterman and Jeff Spiegel with some tickets to go see Lakers versus Suns. We only had a couple of of, uh, press credentials. Daniel Starkin and I went in on credentials, and then Jeff and Ron were both able to go check out the game because those extra tickets were passed along. So again, thank you very much, much appreciated. And uh, the guys had a blast going to the game. 
All right, let's get into our first topic. I'm not going to bury the lead here. Draymond Green. This, look, this is a mess. This whole situation is an absolute mess. There was reporting uh, a few days ago that there was an altercation in practice, that Jordan that uh, Jordan Poole had been punched by Draymond Green, and that there was you know maybe an inflated ego coming into play from Jordan Poole because he is due for a big contract extension. He's about to get paid, and that was kind of rubbing some players the wrong way. So you've got kind of some different dynamics that are going on there. But Draymond Green himself is also looking for an extension, reportedly wanting a four-year max extension from the Golden State Warriors. He can be a free agent next year. He does have a player option coming up this summer. So Draymond, 32 years old, going to be 33 in March, looking to lock up that long-term security and get a long-term deal with the Golden State Warriors. There's questions out there of whether or not the Warriors would do that. Well, this incident certainly isn't going to help his cause. The video was obtained by TMZ, and there's already questions about how this video got leaked, how it got out there, and I'm not going to do all the sleuthing on that. I'm sure people can take guesses about exactly how this got out there, but the video is very unflattering. For Draymond Green. And let's face it, by now you've probably seen what happens. You know, Draymond goes right over to Jordan Poole, gets in his face, Poole kind of shoves him away, and Draymond just launches a haymaker, a right hand at Jordan Poole's face. It's it's not a good look. This wasn't like Draymond Green was pulling his punches or anything or holding back. This was trying to harm. Jordan Poole. This wasn't like, hey, I'm just putting the young kid in his place or something like that. Look, we've all played in pickup games. We've all seen these little fights where guys don't really want to fight, but they also don't want to be the guy who backs down. This was not that. This was an aggressive attack by Draymond Green. They were separated by coaches and other players that came over, and the video getting out takes away any kind of that deniability of, oh, this was just boys being boys or something to that effect, or this is just kind of what happens. Look, and look, I'm sympathetic to teammates getting into arguments and things like that. When you're together with someone that often, these guys are around each other constantly, constantly. They're on the road together. They're in games together. They're in practices together. These guys are around each other a ton. And when you're in a very high-pressure, high-stress environment, like playing in the NBA is, remember, these guys have their financial futures on the line with these games, right? It's not just, hey, they're great competitors and they hate to lose and all that. Like that stuff matters, but it's also generational wealth that's on the line every time these guys are playing this game. So you've got a lot of pressure that's wrapped up into this beyond just, hey, we're really determined to win this basketball game. You've got a lot of money at stake. You've got uh, stature in terms of who you are in the league. All these sorts of things matter, so there's a lot of pressure on NBA players at all times. And so when you've got that kind of thing coming together, you've got all the pressure, you've got these guys being stuck together for so long, sometimes people just start to get under each other's skin. And so disagreements by, between teammates, they don't surprise me. They don't surprise me. In fact, you should expect them to have disagreements. That's just what happens when people are together for this long. But... But that excuse goes out the window when you're trying to take somebody's head off. And that's what we saw from Draymond Green. And that video getting out, it removes the deniability. It removes the boys being boys mentality that they could have put on this. That spin that they could have put on, put on this situation is now gone because everybody's seen it. Everybody's seen what Draymond does, did. So I wonder now if 
the NBA is going to get involved here now that the video is out. The Warriors. Now, you'd have to imagine the initial word was that they were not going to suspend him. But I have to imagine now that this video is out, that, that may very well change. And so I don't want to get into can the Lakers trade for Draymond and just dismiss what happened here. This is terrible. This is terrible. Look, in society, you can't just go up because you're mad at somebody and throw a punch at them. Like, even if it was just a situation where Draymond's trying to put the young kid in his place or, or whatever, right? That's still not okay. I'm not, I'm not condoning that. But you do see that happen in athletic competition. What Draymond did, there was real force behind that punch. There was intent to do harm. And in this day and age, look what's happening in the, in the NFL with, with Tua. You look at head injuries across sports, right? The NFL was getting absolutely destroyed, and rightfully so, for what went on with Tua because they didn't treat a head injury as seriously as they should have. They let him get back into a game when he shouldn't have been back in the game, right? They, they bought this excuse of back spasms or whatever he said that it was, and then he plays again just a few days later, and it turns into a really ugly scene. We, we are far past the time where it's okay to underestimate the severity of head injuries. And let's face it, Draymond Green throwing a haymaker at Jordan Poole's head could have done very, very serious damage. Just look, just ask Rudy Tobjanovich just how devastating a punch can be. Now, I'm not saying that is always the outcome because it's not, but the possibility was here for Draymond Green to do very real harm to Jordan Poole. So by no means do I want to try to dismiss that by just jumping into, ooh, trade machine. Can the, can the Lakers go trade for this guy? But that's still out there, right? I'm being asked this by fans a lot. So again, what's going on with Draymond Green, with the Warriors, with Jordan Poole, it's a serious situation. It's one the Warriors are going to have to deal with. Warriors GM Bob, Bob Myers has already said he doesn't think this is going to change their season. I don't think they're going to rush to trade Draymond Green or anything like that. But, but when you've got a situation now where we already had question marks about whether or not the Warriors were going to pay Draymond Green, whether or not they were going to be willing to give him a four-year deal as he's turning 33 years old. There's already those question marks. The Warriors have already proven, right? They will spend. They will spend a lot, but even they have their limits. Like we saw them lose. Well, like they lost Gary Payton II because they wouldn't go that far to keep him in terms of paying enough money, paying enough to match what the Portland Trailblazers were offering him. So obviously there's a limit to how far they were they will go. So you've already got that context of we don't know how much the Warriors are going to be willing to pay Draymond and could that lead to him actually testing the market and maybe going somewhere else. And this situation, this incident, doesn't help to endear Draymond to Golden State. Now look, he's won championships there. He's been incredible there. He turned things around in the finals just this last year. We're talking just months ago. He was struggling the first few games. He figured out a way, the Warriors figured out a way to get him going, and he was a major factor in that turnaround and the Warriors winning the championship this year. I don't think the Warriors will underestimate what Draymond Green means to their team on the floor, but this incident is not going to help. And when you already have the specter of the contract kind of looming over everything, it makes you wonder if they might consider moving on from Draymond Green. And that's where, if you're the Lakers, your ears have to perk up. Now, again, this situation... Whatever's going to come from this, that has to play out first. That's got to play out first, and we'll see what happens. Can Draymond rebuild trust with his teammates? 
if the answer is no, maybe it's a month from now, however, however long, maybe the Warriors do look to move on. Now, again, I don't think this is likely. So don't run around and say, oh, this is this is happening or think this is going to be a possibility. I'm only addressing this because so many Lakers fans have asked about it. And Trey Young had the tweet uh, from yesterday morning where he said Draymond's trying to, to force his way to L.A. or something to that effect. And that kind of stirred everything up. So I want to get into the mechanics of what something like this would look like. But again, I'm not saying this is likely. But if you pan back and we think about the Lakers' decision-making, what did they decide to do just a couple weeks ago? The night before media day, the rumor was that the Lakers were on the verge of trading Russell Westbrook to the Indiana Pacers. They opted not to. The price was going to be both their first-round picks, totally unprotected. 2027, 2029, gone. Unprotected, plus Russ in exchange for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Now, you can make arguments for pulling the trigger. I certainly have. You can also make arguments for why the Lakers did the right thing by holding off. The Pacers certainly don't, don't sound like they were a team that was very easy to, to negotiate with. They weren't willing to compromise very much there, weren't even willing to throw in some second-round draft compensation in order to get the deal done. I think the Lakers can still go back and maybe uh, complete a deal with Indiana once they kind of get a look at everything and get the lay of the land, but that's besides the point. The Lakers decided to not pull the trigger on that deal. And really, there's two reasons here. Number one, the value of the deal, right? The Pacers weren't compromising, didn't feel like they were getting the, the price that they wanted. The value wasn't there in the deal, and they weren't really sure whether or not Miles Turner and Buddy Heald catapult them to that level that turns them into a championship contender. So it left them feeling a little uneasy in terms of the value that's going out in the deal. But number two, there's an opportunity cost to doing that deal right now. And that opportunity cost is whatever else would come along. Remember, there was a point where we thought Kyrie Irving was very much in play for the Lakers. That type of talent, that type of star-level talent could potentially be joining the Lakers, and that's what we could be looking for. Well, should a star become disgruntled sometime between now and the trade deadline, as sometimes happens in the NBA, the Lakers, the opportunity cost of doing the Pacers deal would be the Lakers wouldn't be out there still on the market to raise their hand as soon as that disgruntled star comes up and say, hey, hey, we've got a get-out-of-jail-free card in terms of a $47 million expiring contract that we can give you, plus a couple of first-round picks. Let's talk. That's now the situation, really, that the Lakers are looking for. They're looking for a star-level player. And let's face it, you're not... You look at what Donovan Mitchell went for. You went look at what Rudy Gobert went for. The Lakers, they're not going to get a 26-year-old star. They're not. Not with what they have to offer. That's not what you're going to get. So you've got to find someone who, whether it's age, whether there's something going on with the relationship with the team, in Draymond's case, you got both of those things. You've got factors that are depressing that player's value a little bit. Now, Draymond Green is a star as, he's sort of a star role player, right? In terms of what he does. And I actually think he'd be a really good fit with LeBron and Anthony Davis. It'd be really interesting to see how all that would work out, despite Draymond's lack of shooting, that would be a concern. But I wouldn't mind the fit there. So this situation here with Draymond Green, it's not perfect, but it is kind of the situation that the Lakers are, are looking for. By waiting on doing any kind of Pacers deal, they've afforded themselves the opportunity to be a landing spot should someone get upset, should a team say, you know what, we're done, we're going to cut bait with these guys. And let's not forget, 
in Las Vegas, Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson, they tore things up. They stole the show. They've got teams tripping over themselves saying, how do we get these guys? This is the next generational talent. I'm not going to disagree. Those guys are absolutely incredible. The things that Victor Wembanyama is doing, you should not be able to do when you're seven foot five. Like it's against the laws of nature or something to see the way this guy moves. It is absolutely incredible. And the race to the bottom is going to be fascinating this year. If I'm a team like the Pacers right now, I'm going to become even more motivated to sell off any assets I have to make sure I lose as much as possible and get the best lottery odds that I can get. Now, the lottery odds are a little flattened out compared to where they used to be. But still, I think the race to the bottom is going to be very competitive this year, the tank race, after what we've seen out of these two very young players that could be generational talents. I'm not talking about franchise cornerstone. I'm talking about once in a generation, you get this guy. Oh, boy your franchise is put on the map and you can turn things around very, very quickly. So it's going to be very competitive. So the Lakers, by not doing the Pacers deal a few weeks ago, have given themselves the opportunity to reap the benefits as teams are looking to sell. Again, you find a quasi-star level player who becomes disgruntled. The Lakers can raise their hand and be that landing spot. Now, Draymond specifically, it's challenging to get him to the Lakers. Let's say... The Warriors, and this is not where they're at, but let's say the Warriors decide we're done. We don't want to be in the Draymond Green business anymore. We appreciate everything he's done for this franchise, but the team's not going to trust him. The team has decided, the players have decided they can no longer trust him because of what happened, and we're going to move on. And we know he's going to be a free agent in the summer, so we're going to try to get as much value as we can right now. The problem is the Warriors are trying to win right now. They've got Steph Curry. They've got Klay Thompson, right? They're, they're trying to win right now. They've got some really good young players as well. James Wiseman has done some nice things in preseason already, but you've got talent that's ready to win right now. Russell Westbrook isn't going to be appealing to them. Not when you've already got Steph Curry on the roster. The 2027 and 2029 first round picks are going to be appealing to them. Steph Curry is going to be done by that point. By the time you're, you're going to use those picks, they don't help you defend that championship. So, there's not an ideal one-for-one, like-for-like trade there, not to mention the fact that Draymond Green only makes $25 million this year. Russell Westbrook makes forty-seven. So there's a salary imbalance there that you have to try to, to rectify as well. So what you need is you need a third team in the deal, and you need a team that can absorb some salary. At that point, the Indiana Pacers and San Antonio Spurs' ears perk up. They become interested because they are landing spots for salary. So ideally, what you'd want to do is construct some sort of a deal where Russell Westbrook, the Lakers draft capital, goes to a third team. That third team has talent that the Warriors would be interested in that would help them win right now, and they get those pieces, and Draymond Green goes to the Lakers. Maybe there's some other pieces that are going to the Lakers as well in some type of three-team deal because, again, you've got $47 million, million going out and just 25 coming back in. Maybe the, if, they, if they kept it that way, they would generate a big trade exception you're either getting talent or you're getting a trade exception in that scenario. The problem with the Spurs and the Pacers, though, specifically for the Warriors, is that both of them have a lot of their talent stuck in the center position. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the Warriors already have that. The Warriors already have Kevon Looney. They just resigned. They've already got now James Wiseman. Now, it's not to say they couldn't improve here, but when we're talking about Miles Turner, when we're talking about a guy like maybe Jakob Pertl, are those guys that exciting for a Warriors team that already has two players that they think they can lean on at the center position? So that's where things get really challenging in terms of figuring out a three-team trade that would land Draymond with the Lakers if they decide. And let's remember, Draymond Green is a clutch sports client, but it gets very challenging there specifically because the two main teams with the kind of cap space that could absorb some of Russell Westbrook's salary don't necessarily have the pieces that the Warriors would want. Maybe they'd be interested in Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Maybe you can work out a bigger deal that way and figure out a way to send both of those guys to Golden State, but then you need more salary going out from the Warriors because of what Heald and Turner make combined, and that gets real tricky, particularly when you've got to wait until December 15th in order to trade some of these guys. that they, The guys that they just signed, we're looking at like Dante DiVincenzo, players like that. So it gets very difficult to get anything done right now. It becomes a little bit easier after December 15th when a lot of the league becomes trade eligible, the guys who just signed contracts. So logistically, and I'm saying it's unlikely just based on what the Warriors are trying to accomplish and what the Lakers are trying to do. But logistically, when you're trying to work out the math of a three-team deal that would make this happen and that would satisfy the Warriors and get them stuff they would want, you have to give the Warriors enough to where it's worth it for them to part ways with Draymond and not try to fix things. Even if they thought he was leaving in the summer, there's still value to running it back and keeping him if they feel that's the best path to a championship. If they feel like they're going to be more likely to win a championship with Draymond on the roster right now than they would with whatever pieces they'd be getting back in a trade, the temptation is going to be there for the Warriors still to just stand pat, even if they make the decision that they're going to part ways with him in the summer. So again, I feel it's far-fetched to see Draymond come to the Lakers right now. I know there's the clutch sports connection. I know there's what Trey Young tweeted out logistically it's tough for them to put together a deal that makes sense for all parties involved. Not saying it's impossible, but it's not something I would be expecting to happen. But that said, this is the type of scenario again, not exactly. Hopefully this isn't the type of situation that comes up again, this NBA season where you've got somebody throwing a punch like that at somebody else. We don't want to see that kind of stuff, but a star being disgruntled, being in a rough spot, perhaps having their value being impacted that is exactly the kind of situation that the Lakers need to be monitoring. I don't think Draymond Green is the answer here, but these are the types of situations that the Lakers are giving themselves the opportunity to get involved in in case somebody surprisingly jumps onto the trade market. 
This is what they did by not pulling the trigger on the Buddy Heald and Miles Turner deal right now. And again, I don't think that deal is necessarily going anywhere. So if the Lakers have, the Lakers could change their mind in a few weeks. And I think that deal would still be there. But in any event, let's move on. Let's talk about, about the Lakers. Let's talk. We've spent plenty of time here talking about a hypothetical trade, which again, I don't think is going to happen. But nonetheless, got a lot of questions about it. So let's get into the Lakers. Wins and losses in preseason. Let's talk a little bit about what we've seen here. And what I want to do right now is I will play a clip. This is Darvin Ham talking to the media after the Lakers lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And listen to what he says. This is his assessment of the team, what they accomplished, and uh, and what he saw from his team in that loss to the Wolves. Keep in mind, none of the veterans played. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Patrick Beverly, none of those guys played, right? Most of the main pieces, the guys the Lakers are going to really rely upon, did not play. All right, listen to this. Darvin, anything just stand out to you as you watch tonight? What were the things that you were taking in mind as you look forward to the rest of the preseason? Again, a good uh, start to the first quarter defensively. Guys playing together. Uh, Minnesota has a hell of a squad. You know, athletes all over the place. High, high skilled players all over the place. Great individual and team talent. And um, I thought, you know, some of our guys deserves. They came out, set a really good tone initially. And as they started to get more in our jersey, and, you know, with their individual defense and being aggressive in their pick and roll coverage, I thought we kind of started to rely on our own, put our head down in terms of trying to over dribble, over create. Timing got off, holding the ball for two or three extra more dribbles that threw off a rhythm, holding the ball for two or three extra seconds, which throws off your rhythm. Um, really not emphasizing getting hits, not trying to get hits to free up people in, their, in terms of our screening. But, um, you know, this the NBA is tough, and, and you're trying to get everybody, give everyone a chance to be seen, to see if uh, they can help our ball club. And, you know, that's what preseason is for. You hate to lose. I never want to get used to losing. I'm highly competitive, but at the same time, I understand what the circumstance is. And uh, that's for everyone to get an opportunity to go out there and, you know, prove whether they can help or not. And we have to provide that platform for them to see how these pieces best fit with the guys that were in street clothes tonight. Because ultimately, when the season starts, you know, it'll be way more them than anybody else that's getting those minutes so but all in all it was a great couple of days and got a lot of good stuff we can show on film a lot of good stuff we can teach on and correct and it's like a coach's dream when you get a good opportunity to get footage like that so we, we were able to do that so this struck me when we were there in the room Darvin Ham he came across as fairly disappointed and we kind of talked his way back from that once he started talking about how they got great film from from the the two days in Las Vegas and how valuable that stuff is, and when he started to justify the losing by talking about how they needed to give opportunities to these guys and figure out who is actually going to be part of the roster. And if you look at who the Lakers were playing, particularly that, that night against the Wolves, there was nobody there that was going to be playing major minutes for the Lakers, at least none of the veteran players. There were some guys, you know, Austin Reeves we saw out there. Obviously, he'll be getting minutes, but 
you were missing a lot of the key players. So instead, you've got, you know, Scottie Pippen Jr. starting at point guard, who's probably, look, I like Scottie Pippen Jr., but he's probably going to spend most of the season in the G League. You saw Cole Swider getting a lot of minutes. I like Cole Swider a lot, too. I don't think you can rely on him to play major minutes right now. They were going up against the Wolves starters. Minus Carl Anthony Towns, the Wolves rolled out their starting lineup, and that's who they were playing. So I think that context is important, and yet Darwin still sounded like the losing bothered him. And I think Lakers fans feel the same way. The Lakers right now are 0-3 in preseason. And Alan Sliwa and Daniel Starkan and I, when we were in the studio with for uh, Blue Wire, we talked about how much fun this Lakers team is having and how they look very different and, and all these things. And we had a lot of people who agreed with us, but we also had a lot of people in the comments section on YouTube who were saying, but they're losing. And I know people don't want to hear it's just preseason because we saw what happened last season. And here's the thing. I think that preseason, saying preseason doesn't matter, is accurate. I think that's accurate. But last season, it foretold disaster. Last season, preseason being bad was a precursor to the regular season being bad as well, which is not always the case. It's not. I think usually you can look at it and say, preseason really doesn't matter all that much, particularly when you put in the context of who it is that's playing. Now, if LeBron and AD and Russell Westbrook and all these guys were playing 35 minutes a night and the Lakers are still losing in preseason, sound the alarms. Sound the alarms. But when you look at what's gone on in preseason, I think it's easy to say this is the young kids that are having issues, right? I mean, you look at both the first two games, right? You look at the game against the Phoenix Suns. You look at the game before that against the Kings. With the starters in, with the regular rotation guys in, the Lakers are winning. The Lakers are winning both of those games. It's when Darvin Ham goes to put the kids in that things fall apart. And you can argue that, well, the Lakers, their bench has to be better then. But the reality is that you're also playing, what, two undrafted rookies, one second rounder and Max Christie. By the way, I thought Max Christie showed some good things in that game against the Wolves. Darvin Ham did as well. And yet, even with that context, and you can tell Darvin understands that, he's still disappointed. And this is really what I want to get to here. Darvin still sounds disappointed, number one, at losing the game. And I think Lakers fans are there as well, where there's that kind of that concern that creeps in when you see them losing preseason games. Again, when you look at the context, it's understandable what's happening. And I do think the vibe around this team being around the players, it's different than last season. It just is. There's a different vibe. These guys are, it feels like they're enjoying playing together more than what we saw last season. And I really do think that matters. But Darwin still sounds disappointed at the losing. Lakers fans are disappointed with the losing because let's face it, we know what's coming from last season. We know what we just saw. And so the that nerve is exposed right now, right? Those wounds are not fully healed. And so when you see these losses happening again in, in preseason, people just think, oh no, here we go again, because people tend to just look at it. Did you win the game or did you lose the game? We don't look enough at the context to understand what's fully going on, but yet Darvin Ham still understands that disappointment as well. And he feels it. And he feels it. And you could tell he's disappointed that they lost, but he's more disappointed at the things they were missing, at the stuff that they were not doing. 
And I think that speaks volumes when he talks about them not getting a hit when they're setting screens, when he talks about them dribbling the ball for a beat too long, when he talks about them not making the correct pass, when he's saying all the stuff that he said, remember who was on the floor. Remember who was on the floor. It's all the kids that you wouldn't expect to know all that stuff. You wouldn't expect them, and yet Darvin does. And I think that's what's going to help make him a success as a head coach. It struck me that he was so, he didn't just dismiss this as, well, these guys are young, when that excuse, if you want to call it that, that explanation was right there sitting there for him. No, he expects them to pick up on all of these things, and he expects them to execute these things, and it bothered him that they didn't, that that wasn't happening. Now, again, I'm not saying these young players are bad, and you can argue, well, maybe they should have been better. Okay. I think they've got some interesting talent, and the Lakers have. Look, they've got a long history of finding guys in the second round, finding guys who are undrafted, and turning them into something, turning them into NBA players, finding diamonds in the rough. I'm not going to argue that these guys are not valuable players, but it's striking that Darvin is upset that they're not doing the stuff that, frankly, you probably wouldn't expect a young player like that to do anyway. He is still holding them to that higher standard that you would expect out of the veteran players. And I think that's going to be important for the growth and development of these players and also just the expectation that's set for this team. It's coming from the top down. You look at last season and you look at the energy, you look at the effort, you look at the mistakes that were made. I don't think guys are going to get away with that kind of stuff with Darvin Ham at the helm if he's setting that expectation for young players. And it's not just coming from Darvin Ham. It can't. It's got to come from LeBron, too. It's got to come from players who are on the floor. Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, all the guys who are leaders, Patrick Beverly. Because you know what? And Darvin mentioned this the other day, too. If LeBron at 37, almost 38 years old, is making the extra effort, nobody else has an excuse. Nobody has an excuse to do anything less than what he's doing. But it's important that that tone is being set. And this is why when I look at this team and I say they're having fun, I say the vibe is different than they were, than it was last season. Because people are upset. People are frustrated. I'm seeing the panic. I'm feeling it from Lakers fans saying, oh my gosh, they're 0-3 in preseason. I don't even count this last game against the Wolves. They didn't play any of their guys. And the first two games, again, they had the lead. They lost it when they put in the young players. But the vibe is different, and this tone that's being set is different than what we saw previously. So this is why I'm still optimistic that this is going to be a different season, that things are not going to go the way they did last year. Now, again, if next game against the Warriors on Sunday, by the way, that's going to be interesting. We'll see how the Warriors handle the Draymond situation on Sunday. But if the Lakers play LeBron 30 minutes, AD gets over the back spasm issue, which again was a last minute scratch from the game against the Suns, and he plays 30 minutes, and Russ plays 30 minutes, and Patrick Beverly and all the guys are out there. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
and they get destroyed, okay, maybe we can start worrying a little bit. But I'm not there yet. And like I said, from what we've seen on TV, from being there in person, the vibe around this team is different than what we saw last season. It's much more positive. There's uh, an attention to detail that I think wasn't there. We'll see if that still is the case come January, come February, come the dog days of the season. But so far, this team has a different feel around it. And I think that is a good thing, even if it's frustrating that they are losing. Darvin Ham, I think he's setting that tone the right way. All right, last thing I want to get into. It's the shooting. Um, there are, the, one of the things that we do when we look at preseason is we try to identify what it is that really fits with the narrative, what it, what it is that fits and what it is that goes against the narrative. So when we look at players, we look at this player we think can fit this role in the team. What does preseason show us that either confirms what we thought or goes against it? Well, one of the narratives about the Lakers or the thoughts about the Lakers coming into the season was that they were going to be a poor shooting team. Uh, when you added up the three-point percentages of the guys on the roster, I mean, they project out to be one of the worst in the league shooting the basketball. And so the question was, well, can Darvin Ham scheme things up enough to where they're getting open looks and those open looks allow them to increase their percentages to agree to at least a degree where teams care if they're out behind the three-point line? So far, first two games, that has not been the case. Now, again, I said first two. I'm throwing out the third game because it is so far, at least the first two games, the game against the Kings, the game, the game against uh, the Suns, at least you had LeBron playing. At least you had Russell Westbrook playing. You had Anthony Davis in one of those games. Against the Wolves, you had nobody. You had no Patrick Beverly. You had you know, Kendrick Nunn. Dennis Schroeder hasn't rolled into town yet. Now, that's true of the first two games as well. But uh, you you just, you just didn't have any of those guys. So I'm throwing out that game. I'm th I don't think statistically you can look at that game and really take a lot away from it in terms of what we can expect during the regular season. But for the first two games, the Lakers... When you average out their shooting percentages, the Lakers are shooting 37% from the field and 28% from three. Now, again, half of those games or more are being played by guys who probably aren't going to be in the rotation once we get to the regular season. And maybe even as we move forward in preseason, I think Darvin Ham maybe feels that, that need to win a game. And so it wouldn't shock me if we see the rotation tightened up on Sunday against the Warriors just to try to get that W because I think they kind of need it. This team does. And I think the fan base needs it as well. But so far the shooting has been bad and shooting is usually bad in preseason because teams don't quite know how to play together just yet. They're figuring out where everybody's going to find the shots from. Things are sloppy. You get, you get more possessions where the shot clock's winding down and somebody just has to heave a shot up at the rim. And so that's going to naturally drag down shooting percentages, but this is still really bad. Right, 37% from the field is terrible. And then 28% from three, also terrible. You'd have to imagine those would be, if you extrapolate that out over the course of the season, those are going to be the worst in the NBA by a decent margin. Those would be the worst shooting teams uh, in the NBA from the field and from three. So this is something to watch because we already knew coming into the season that shooting was going to be a concern for the Lakers. If this continues... You have to wonder if this forces Rob Palenka's hand. We talked about the Lakers waiting to make a move, trying to see if an opportunity would pop up. Well, if the shooting percentages continue to be this low, it's hard to win games when you're shooting this poorly. Now, two games is a tiny sample size. 
I don't believe that they're really this bad of a shooting. I don't think they're going to be a good shooting team. But I think if you had a 20-game sample size, you would be much closer to average in terms of the field goal percentage, three-point percentage. I'm not expecting that to go up a ton, but I think it would be better than 28%. That said, if the shooting percentages stay low, it's really hard to win when you are so inefficient at the rim. And then we saw some rebounding issues as well, particularly giving up offensive rebounds. So if those things continue, then for the Lakers, for Rob Palenka, that might put a little more pressure on Rob to do a deal like something that would bring in a Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, guys who can give you some outside shooting, guys who can give you a little bit more floor spacing. Those things become more of a necessity if the shooting continues to stay at this level. Now, again, two games, tiny sample size. We don't know for sure if it will, but it's worth keeping an eye on, particularly when they've been this bad, even in the games that we saw LeBron, Russ, Anthony Davis playing. By the way, I think so far, Darvin Ham through stretches, has gotten better play out of Russell Westbrook. We've also seen stretches where Russ has kind of slipped back into being his old self from, from last season. So we'll see who's going to win that kind of battle, right, to get the efficient version of Russell Westbrook. But I do like some of the things Darvin Ham has done. So I don't look at him necessarily if we're operating under the assumption that Darvin Ham can continue to get him to play the game that the Lakers want him to play. I don't know if he still falls into that addition by subtraction category that so many people put him in over the summer. But if these shooting percentages stayed this poor pretty quickly into the season, I think there's going to be more pressure on the Lakers to make a move and get something done quick because the Western Conference, it is not going to be forgiving in terms of the standings. You've got so many good teams in the West right now that if they can't find the pieces that are going to give them the shooting that they need in order to get wins, well, they're going to have to make a move sooner rather than later. And again, I've actually been impressed with some of the shots that they've generated despite not having that floor spacing. Gives me a lot of optimism for what it could eventually look like if they are able to add some of that shooting, whether it's organic or comes via trade. But Lakers Nation, give me your thoughts. Let me know what you think about all this. Let me know what you think about Draymond Green, that whole situation. Should he be somebody that the Lakers make a call on? Darvin Ham, the first few games of preseason, are you concerned that they are 0-3 in preseason? Do you dismiss it? Do you look at the context of who's been playing when they've been losing, who's been playing when they've been winning? How are you feeling about preseason play so far? And, of course, don't forget about this last bit about the shooting. How worried are you about that? Do you think that's going to push the Lakers to get something done sooner rather than later? Let me know in the comments section. Don't forget to come join us on Playback for each and every game where we watch the games live with you. Put the link in the description down below. Till next time, everybody, make sure you're subscribing to the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. See ya and stay safe.